You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Okay, I'm saying something. He needs to pull out his notes. <laughs> well, it's good to be here with you. We actually, it's interesting. We have an Every Nation church in Lviv, and I know the pastor and some of my friends are there, so it's cool to see uh, your family of churches. And uh, yeah, God is work everywhere, and like... We've, we've felt it so much since we we came to Canada um, at the end of July, and uh, we experienced this so much that God's family is the best you can have in the world. Because when Jesus promised that if you're going to follow me, well, remember he was talking to disciples, said if you, um, if you be, because of following me, if you're ready to give up some of the things, even like your house, your place you have, you're going to have a hundred times more. We've experienced that because everywhere we go, we have friends, brothers and sisters. We've lived in six houses. We've driven like 10 cars by now. Like everybody's just sharing and helping us to get by. And it's just a huge blessing. Awesome. You did a good job. Just, I've got my notes now. So, okay. Fabulous. He's got his notes back. So <laughs> okay. So, so that's great. See, if you're, um, in the ministry of pastors, you just got to know how to go on the fly. That's part of the that's part of the training. Um, before he shares a little bit of update of what's going in the Ukraine, I thought as we were talking, it would be good just to get to know uh, this fellow a little bit and just his story because um, it's very unique and very uh, wonderful and interesting. So, um, going back to the Ukraine now, um, Ukraine. Oh, my wife warned me not to do that, <laughs> and I still did it. Um, so how did you become a Christian and at what age? Um, actually, my story is a bit unique for Ukraine because uh, here it's more common, but over there it's pretty rare. But I was actually born in a Christian family, like evangelical Christians, and my dad was a pastor even. So uh, that's rare because less than 1% of the population of Ukraine is evangelical of any denomination kind. So well, at least at that time. Now I think it's a bit more. But uh, so yeah, I grew up with knowledge. I've uh, started. I've learned to read really early, and I've read the Bible before I went to school, <laughs> like kids' Bible. But I knew the stories and everything. But then um, through the school years, I just want to be popular, accepted, and I think it turned into double life. You know, like when I was in the church, I would still be in the church, would sing in a choir. Uh, youth group but then in school I would be completely different and just trying to be cool and hip and so so um, but I think about age 15 or something somewhere around there I realized that I need to make a choice like I was getting tired of double life and uh, I was actually preparing to tell my parents that this is all good and I think I'm going to come back to it later in life but now I just want to have fun I just want to be you know free or because my, my friends would mock me in school. Oh, you're not allowed to do that. We're going to go there and there, do so and so. But you're not allowed to do that because you're Baptist or something like this. So, um, and I was preparing to tell my parents that, that and thinking how to do it. But around that time, um, a group of young, a bit older than me, but like still young um, people came to church, like completely new believers. Because I would hang out with people, kids like me, who are also kids of believers and very similar situation. We would, they, I know that they had a double life too. But these new guys, they were like on fire for God. And they were very sincere and real in their faith. They wanted to talk about it after the service ended, you know. They wanted to get together in a week, not just to play games and fun, but actually to share and talk about their faith, how they're doing. And it, it grabbed me, and I realized, hey, I don't need to wait for, like, maybe 1.30 or something to come back to it. 
and this this is new and fun and i mean i was still thinking as, as a child a little bit right like a young so oh, just to shorten it so i think at around age 15 16 there was a this big crusade billy graham crusade he was doing those it was post-soviet union so right it's 90s so a lot of those were being done and and every year almost so in one of those crusades i went forward and said jesus i want to follow you but it was like a pre yeah made a decision earlier it was just a kind of official step so to speak so that was my first kind of turn awesome and then you are you're the oldest of your three <laughs> siblings right yeah and mm-hmm. and uh when you were 19 uh your family moved to canada tell about that and were you excited about that idea uh Yes, we. my dad was actually invited to pastor Ukrainian Baptist Church in St. Catharines, just on the other side of the lake. Uh, and um, I, I was not excited about that because at that time uh, I was uh, part of a church plant that was started out of my dad's church. And I was leading worship there. I was involved in ministry. I had a lot of friends there. And for me, like Christianity at that time, as I look back on that, but on that time, my Christianity for me was a really mainly a social thing. It's relying on friends, being with friends together, you know. Just uh, and I, I was almost afraid to not meet every week with my friends because I knew I'm probably going to fall to some temptations and so on. So it was vital for me. So I was like, how am I going to do that? <laughs> and um, also, I wanted, like I already was praying, God, I wanted to serve you long term. I wanted to be in the ministry. Uh, lead me and tell me what needs to be done for that. And uh it was like, okay, God, what are you doing? I want to serve you here in Ukraine. And you, like, seems like you're taking me away from that. And here in Canada at age 19, you can be independent on your own, not in Ukraine in the 90s. Like, it was 2000, actually, 2001. But still, it was like our whole family was living, like, for $100 per month. The economy was really bad that time. We had hyperinflation and a lot of things. So, um, yeah, I, I had to come with my, with my parents, which we did in 2001. And how much English did you know at that time when you landed in St. Catharines? Uh, I knew two words. Hello, goodbye. So uh, it was so frustrating. Was it? it was very frustrating. I felt um, I felt stupid. That's honestly it. I would go to the store and I need to buy something food. And all I could say, uh, uh, this please uh, give her. Yeah, it was hard. Uh, it took me probably half a year to at least communicate something, another year to pick up. But I think overall, um, if some people doubt that the gift of, of tongues exists, you can show them me, because I don't know how I know English. Like, <laughs> I never studied it. It's just, it just happened, like, by grace of God, like, just picked up by ear. And what were those early days like, I mean, in Canada? I mean, you shared a little bit. It wasn't easy, was it? Not just the English. Well, the thing I already said, I felt lonely. Um, in my understanding, serving God involves doing it with a group of close friends, and you know, and here I am by myself. The church we came to was mostly older people, and the very few young people that was there, they were kind of like I was before, you know, same double life or like more religious, I guess. Like they, they wasn't really life faith. So at first, I, well, now I can see that that I was super selfish, but I, you know, got mad on God. Like, how can you do this to me? You know, uh, and uh, so I wanted to serve you in Ukraine, and you brought me here. Okay, I'm not going to serve you. Well, it was childish, really, but uh, I think for about half a year, I was like, thankfully, I didn't do anything too crazy bad, but like, I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to, 
I'm not, I'm not gonna, like, so I didn't read my Bible, rarely prayed, you know, it was just kind of whatever. Um, so later, what, what was the turning point? If we should go that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, probably when I already started speak English a little bit, I've stumbled upon, um, information that there will be like a worship event, like an inter-church worship event. And it was called the gathering. And they were like important that like in the early 2000s were really popular in, in Niagara area. And I mean, I always was into worship music, right? And I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to go check it out. And, uh, well, long story short, when I came in, I really sensed the presence of God there. Um, not too long, I found myself crying, just realizing how much I miss God, how much I miss this close relationship with Him, and how much I actually want to be with Him. So it was, I, I think, I call it a, a second work of grace, if you know this term, like it just really God is calling me back more to Him. So yeah, that was the turning point. So tell about how the wrestling of your call to Ukraine and wanting to be in the ministry and surrender and just a little bit about that story i think will help people just in their own walk <clears throat> well um so the after that worship event i met personally the leader who was leading it and we became really good friends i just had breakfast with him yesterday still until now uh, it was a huge influence in my life and um uh, he invited me to go come to their sunday mornings and uh, pretty quickly i found myself going to that church a lot more than to Ukrainian. And um, they also had a leadership development program. So it was kind of the, their philosophy was to develop young leaders on site. Don't send them like to Bible school. Oh, they were not against Bible schools, but like not everybody can go there. So they would. So I, I took day and a half off from my work. My boss was a Christian, allowed me to do that. And I would just hang out with pastors, with leaders, and we would do like Bible studies. Uh, well, did a lot of like songwriting, music with on my side. But I think it was just really formational time for about, it was more than a year like that. It was super great. And during that time, we went through a course by Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God. I don't know if you ever heard this. The main idea of this book and course is don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Look out what, what, for what he's blessing, for what he's doing, and join that. And I think it's just brilliant. It summarizes the whole idea of Christianity and following Jesus. And uh, But it was a part about giving up your own dreams, because he says very often we are so stuck on our own dreams, and we ask God, come on, why aren't you answering me? He says we sometimes dream about like absolutely things that are not of not best for us and god knows that so anyway i had this time of prayer it was like a practical thing to do and i realized that i keep dreaming and thinking of ukraine as a kind of my comfort place you know i wanted to go back there i wanted to ask my friends who are and i sense that god is asking me to give up that just trust me so and it was hard but i was yeah i remember the time when i prayed and said hey god even if i never return to ukraine i just want you i want to follow you i want to serve you and you lead me where you want me so I did that, and I focused on my life in Canada and serving in that church growing. So the church had a studio. I got plugged into that. We recorded an album there. And, and so, like, oh, I mean, it was it was great for me. But probably, I don't know, half a year later or more, the thoughts of Ukraine started to come back. And I thought that's a temptation because, like, oh, I give up to you already. Why do I think of that? But it was different. And that time I was thinking instead of just going back to my comfort zone, it was more of, okay, what if I, like, I was eager to bring things that I'm learning here, the what I'm being equipped with, and just share with my friends because I still connected. So it was more, instead of going back, it was more like going forward and serving and sharing. So um, 
long story short, I went for a visit to Ukraine just just kind of to realize is this what is this God? Is it from you or no? Came back, prayed more about it, and um, uh, well, the church, like people from the church who were responsible for mission work, approached me and asked back in Saint Catharines. Yeah, back in Saint Catharines. I just I realized we have limited time, so I'm just trying to like overall. So, uh, and uh, they approached me and, and said, how was your trip to Ukraine? And I spent there four months there. I, right away, I was plugged in into worship band there. It was like, great. It was awesome. Uh, I met my wife first time there too. So <laughs> that was even a big part of that. But uh, uh, but anyways, so they approached me and said, how was the trip to Ukraine? Well, I, I, sh- I share with them. I say, okay, great. Thank you. That's it. Okay, well, let's go on. So, and I was praying for God to tell me what to do because I, I was puzzled. Am I sinning of wanting to go to Ukraine again? You know, I sort of let, let it go and I want to get back. Please show me. And two weeks later, they come to me again and say, hey, let's talk again. And this time, the conversation involved a lot more practical questions. And in the end of that, they said, what do you think of the idea if you would go there as a missionary and our church would support you? Because we see that God is really working in you and, and, and your heart is there. And I was like, yeah so um long story short again time of preparation but i was sent as a missionary to my homeland in 2005 i've received my canadian citizenship you know it helped a lot with traveling a lot of things and so since 2005 i was in ukraine for first five years i was worship leader pastor slash anything leading groups preaching whatever is needed because i I had a full time uh, to do in in the church that like i said i was called hosanna church that was a church plan i was involved before but in 2010, um, that church always had a vision to plant more churches because it's a big need in Lviv. And in 2000, in the end of 2010, we planted God's Design Church um, with my wife. And well, yeah, I, I got married in 2006, right? So, uh, I mean, this I don't want to turn it into my story too much. So, but God was at work, and it was a lot of great things. And uh, um, yeah, in 2010, we started God's Design Church. And when I say planted a church in Ukraine, it's more like a small group. So we, there was eight of us. <laughs> so, uh, and we started work a lot of, among students, actually. So, um, yeah, and over the years, roughly, we have around 50 people who were baptized, uh, probably close to a thousand that went through, like that heard the gospel that we were able to serve and minister, you know, through different camps, activities, and so on. So we were always focusing on evangelism, on discipleship, on like of just the, yeah, the more casual kind of like we, we didn't have, I, I find myself like at home here, very similar to, to what you have here. So Awesome. Yeah. So fast forward then to um, talk about, the invasion the first days and what was that like i mean it was you told me a very riveting story you didn't even think that it would yeah. happen right <clears throat> well uh, i don't know if you noticed already but i'm more of an optimist <laughs> and uh, so i was i didn't think the worst going to happen i was like ah putin's just wants to scare us he's going to go around you know this is too crazy to be true so when it did it was a shock for me personally and it kind of put me you know in a like paralyzed me mentally. What do we do? Uh, I'll tell a little bit later about the story. Yeah, actually, it's good to show you pictures. You can see how it looked like. Well, the story with the the girl picture is kind of collage. It shows you what war does, destroying buildings, houses, and families. But the picture with the trains is real. Um, This is how people were trying to fly, you know, they're trying to run from 
Kiev, from Kharkiv, the cities that are closest to Russia. So um, for us personally, it was... Uh, story of your sister. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's where I'm going. So we've learned about the war from my wife's sister. Uh, she called us five in the morning or something Well, when the war started and just crying and screaming that the bombs are falling outside of my window. She was in Kiev in capital city and they attacked it right away. And she was in the last days of pregnancy. Uh, and that was her first baby at age 43. You know, so a long time praying for her to have babies. He or she, she's ready to deliver. Like just two weeks away, I think, from the due date. Uh, so imagine her, like, what she feels and what do you do? And and the baby was kicking already. So we told her just jump on a train and come to us. But you can see what what the train looked like. So so she decided no, she's going to go to hospital and they're going to do C-section. So the baby was healthy enough. The doctor said, okay, we can do it. So they did. And I mean, with baby, I was everything fine. Obviously, she felt hard after the procedure. But what the craziest thing would happen later? A couple hours later, Russians started to attack the military airport that's located pretty much across the road from there. Uh, so um, we, uh, yeah, we, we can hold pictures for now. So uh, they, she had to hide in the basement with the baby, newborn baby, for like three days. Just, just it was no one was prepared for that because bullets, explosions, shrapnel, everything was flying there because um, it was north of northern side of Kiev, and the Russians were trying to get this airport to land their flights there, their planes, and just then um, get Kiev. Thankfully, they couldn't do it, but it was the biggest battle. So uh, again, long story short, the way we were able to get her out, uh, uh, there was you know these uh, Brinks trucks like that deliver money from banks they at least a little bit protected armored vehicles so our her husband was able to get one of those and they were evacuated from there literally with bullets flying around and then it took another long time she went to the train station but it was crazy like in the previous picture couldn't couldn't go leave so we had to find another car who was could bring her took a lot of so a lot of stress a lot of like personal like trauma for us as well and if you go well maybe i'll comment a little bit in these pictures because they're special about the first days of work go ahead uh so you see people actually trying to stop russian tanks with bare hands because it was like what's going on why on earth are you attacking us we were supposed to be brothers you've been telling us your president just yesterday told us we're never gonna attack ukraine and like so people were like there, there's a lot of bravery so there's fear obviously in a war but there's a lot of bravery too uh, sadly sometimes these tanks went over over people yeah, they didn't stop. There was also a lot of like courage. Next picture, I think, is really relevant for Canada. This is our first help from the West. This is our first weapon from the West, Canadian tractor. You see it uh, stealing, hijacking Russian thing. It's not even, I think it's, it's something bigger than tank. But they were, like Russians were so proud and boastful, they thought they're going to, you know, get us in three hours, and they didn't have enough fuel. So when soldiers went looking for fuel, like former came and just stole the track and brought to Ukrainian army. So there you go. So this is our first help came from Canada in a form of tractor. Thank you. Uh, well, this is personal. Another personal thing. You see the rockets just hit something less than a kilometer from our home. Uh, as was train tracks. They were targeting them in the spring, just uh, thinking that they would stop the war, you know. And when the rockets started to fall on Lviv and Oksana, like the, my, my wife's uh, sister and, and her baby was with us, she was really afraid and, and like imagine the trauma she had, you know. So she begged me to bring her out of the country and we decided that maybe uh, it would be smart for our girls to be away from, we, we, did, we didn't know what to expect. For So for two months they were in Poland, 
But then my family came back, but Oksana and the baby are still there. Um, tell about, you said this line, maybe I'll... Let's go back. Yeah, we'll yeah. um, I thought this was good for our church. He said um, they had been doing a lot of planning, you know, planning their discipleship, planning this, that, and the other for, for the church. And um, you said when the invasion started, you and I, I wrote this down, you said, in a moment, all our church plans became irrelevant. Yeah, it felt... Um, you know, um, again, tw COVID, right? We thought that's the worst thing that can be. <laughs> we look back to COVID as, oh, fun times. <laughs> uh, so, um, but we got through it. And that time, oh, finally, we can meet together again. We had, like, new people coming. Everybody was so eager to be together, to serve. So a lot of plans, churches growing, you know, great stuff. And uh, uh, it felt like a bit, uh, you know, like putting a puzzle together. You know, you get the pieces. So I think we can compare that to church. The Bible calls it a, a body of Christ, right, with different parts. But for visuals, like like puzzle, right? So here's this people, this ministry, we're putting it together. We don't have everything yet, but we see where we're building. You know, we, we see the picture it's coming to. And when the war started, it felt like somebody came and just smashed the table and all the pieces went flying away. Because uh, people uh, were thinking about their safety, their families. So a lot of key people decided to go to Europe to run away from the war. And I don't blame them at all. You know, uh, but, and we just like, like, yeah, I shared this with Bert on the phone. A lot of things we planned was just irrelevant anymore. Uh, it, it's about just surviving. So it was a shock a little bit. It was like, I, I'm as a leader, as a pastor. Okay, God, what do I do? <laughs> and by the way, my parents in Canada, uh, like I'm a part of a mission organization uh, that's through, like I'm a, I'm a missionary right now. So, so they call me like, evacuate, run. They, they've been pushing for that before even the war. And I was saying, God, what do we do? Uh, and, uh, yeah, part of me thought about it. Yeah, maybe I should just call it quits, you know. Well, But uh, as we prayed and thought about it, I said, no, uh, I think we, 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 this is not what Jesus would do. And uh, at that time, there was no rockets in Lviv, okay? But we, we were on receiving end of those trains. So hundreds of thousands of people would come to our city. And as we gathered together with the remaining leader of the church and we prayed, we thought, okay, let's do something. And the first thing we decided to do is to cancel our Sunday service. And the reason we did that is not that we were afraid, but we just thought, okay, it's more important to give our facility to people because there's so many people on the streets who have nowhere to sleep, nowhere to go. So, and we had a, oh, see, COVID taught us something. We've learned to do church on Zoom. So it was not a problem for us to start gathering on Zoom again and, you know, pray more. We would do daily prayers on Zoom at that time. So we we started a shelter for uh, the refugees. Two weeks, a week later, we realized that's not enough. And we rented another apartment and started another shelter. You know, we were just trying to do, okay, what is the next thing we can do? We, we, we I actually felt very inadequate and weak you know you don't you always there's it's a tremendous pressure you can't realize it until you go through it how difficult it is to be in a war zone because you don't you're not certain of anything you don't know when the rocket's going to come and hit and end your life it can can happen anytime uh, but you so basically but one thing it does good it teaches us to live like jesus says don't worry about tomorrow do what you can do today and that's exactly what we did okay what can we do today who can we serve today and uh, I think actually maybe we can see the video now. Yeah, that's sure. that's I, I have a short, and I've Bert told me that you've seen many videos like this before from other churches. So maybe it's not necessarily new content, but it will show you how it was for us. So 
this is what we did in response to those things you know when we felt that puzzles are away but like we can do something every day hello friends and brothers and sisters uh, my name is Pavlo Lozinski and I'm a pastor of God's Design Church in Lviv Ukraine as you know our country is going through a terrible time right now uh, Russia attacked us and we have this terrible war uh, since the war started, uh, our church became very active in helping refugees. As our city is located far west in Ukraine, so we had basically a flood of refugees uh, coming from the east and northern part of Ukraine. So we've been hosting them in our homes, and also we started two shelters uh, in our church facility and one rental apartment. We have every night around 50 people in both of those shelters and uh, probably around 700 people has gone through our shelter since the beginning of the war. Uh, we try to feed them, we give them a place to sleep, we try to encourage them uh, emotionally, spiritually and help them move on. Some of them are going to Europe, we drive them to the border, uh, help them cross the border or uh, try to find more suitable place to stay in Lviv. Besides shelters, we also started to bring um, humanitarian aid uh, from Poland and other countries in Europe. Uh, we have a, a van that we were able to purchase through generous donations, people like you, so thank you very much. And we are using it to drive that humanitarian aid to further to the east, to Kiev region, uh, to Irpin, Bucha, Chernihiv, cities that were really destroyed. So we do a lot of practical help, but also what's really important that we are able to touch people's lives, just uh, helping them practically, but then uh, sharing the love of God with them, sharing the gospel of Jesus. And many of those people started to come into our services. Um, so they during a week they stay in our shelters, and on Sunday we gather together, we pray together with them, they listen to the um, word of God being preached, and uh, their lives are beginning to change. So please pray for them. Uh, pray for us, uh, for our team to have strength and courage to continue to do what we can. And thank you for the prayers that's been so far and for financial help as well. And for all the blessings that we experience through you, we can really function as a body of Christ uh, all together throughout the world. Thank you and God bless you. Um, so this is, I, I did this video probably in May. So by now, and you can go back to the map now, like this slide with the map. Um, by now, the numbers are a bit different. Um, so over 4,000 people already went through our shelters. So we've been able to help them. And we've driven over 90,000 kilometers just on that Sprinter van, delivering um, su supplies. And uh, I mean, you see Lviv in the, in the west of Ukraine, and these are where our, our typical roads. And even though like there, there's many different ones, but typically we'd go to Poland, pick up supplies, and go to these different cities. You know, they were like impacted. Or we partnered with many other churches. Like in the center of Ukraine, there's a church that has a lot of refugees, so we would bring supplies to them. And we mainly went through churches. You know, so. It was really cool to see how Kingdom of God works because we had people from Canada, from states, from Poland, Germany, even South Korea who were helping us, but they were like afraid to go in Ukraine. They say, come to Poland and pick it up or we'll load you up, you know, with supplies. And sometimes we did that. Sometimes we bought them on their own and we would just then share them with other churches and they would share them with, with people, obviously with our shelters as well. Uh, 
well, let, let's just quickly scroll through like two, three seconds on each picture. You just see more of that the same. So don't wait long just quickly our team is going so um we uh we did a lot of this in the summer and um even quicker yeah just because we have little delivering like yeah medical supplies generators whatever was needed also we have two guys in our church that are in the army and we got some of those bulletproofs for them uh, now you see the pictures with the group of refugees around Lviv that were put by government in the schools but they didn't have enough supplies so we didn't just go far away from Lviv we would start building relation with those groups in in our area also many kids there and Food is not the only thing they need. And before the war, we did a lot of camps, summer camps. So we thought, hey, why why we not do a camp even uh, right now? Like, these kids really need that. So we, um, yeah, in the summer, we did a summer, through the war, we did a summer camp for them. And a lot of those kids heard the gospel for the first time, actually, um, in um, through us. Because they're from East, like in Eastern Ukraine, there's a lot more... Uh, you can, you can just see it how, how much more post-Soviet it is, like if you even travel there. So uh, many kids never heard of, of about Jesus. You know, for them, church is something or Bible is something magical, and that's it. So uh, we also started to send supplies by post as well, because sometimes it was cheaper. Like when the postal service started work, you see people receiving where like everything was ruined. So we were, would send them directly with their, our team would pack them in our ch church facility and send them to there. We also... Through through the um, all the time we did a Bible studies in in our shelters, so all those people there they didn't just receive food. We would try to influence them personally, you know. So we would talk about gospel. We would talk about this. Okay, maybe stop a little bit in this picture. So just uh, this is a picture from just before Christmas when I went there last time when I was there. So this is how our church gathering looks now. It's interesting because we give up our place and, uh, well, for Sunday sometimes we would pack, but now we have much better. Like, so this is local seminary, but they let us meet there. So this is like one of the recent pictures of our church, how it looks like and uh, from about 50 people or so smaller, but, uh, and probably third of them are refugees. So they would, like I said, many people left from our typical congregation, but a lot of new people joined in. Go on. Let's go further. Okay couple words about this man. Just a great story. I, I want to focus on stories now. So um, he came as one of the first refugees, uh, I think on the second day when we opened the shelter. So his wife and two kids, he, he, he brought them to Poland, like to the border. But as you know, Ukrainian men cannot leave. Like you, they're required to stay in case they would be needed to protect Ukraine. So he came back to us and said, can I, can I volunteer with you? And we said, sure. He said, there's just something special about your group of people. I just never seen so much like love and, and, and warmth and like you do. So he stuck with us and through the time he, he was helping a lot, but he was very eager to hear about God. He was very, very eager to learn about Jesus, read the Bible and gospel. And in the process, he became a believer. He was get, getting ready to be baptized. And when we were coming to Canada in the end of July, he told us, me and my wife, almost with tears in his eyes, he said, I'm going to say something strange. I'm almost happy that the war happened. I was like, what? He says, no, no, I'm not happy about the bombing and everything, right? But uh, I'm happy that because of this, I, I was able to meet you guys. And through you, I met God. Because before I thought that Bible is just a magical book that you keep in your home, like a protection, right? But now I can read it and I'm, I'm, I want to grow in it. So it just a, there was just more stories like this, but I think his is really like vivid. 
Also, please pray for him because his wife is actually complete opposite. So when she learned about him wanting to be baptized, uh, she returned from, from Paul and said, no, like you got yourself in some kind of cult. Let's go back where we were. So they came back now and they're like really close to the battlefield. So the bombs are hitting the city of Zaporizhia almost every day. So please pray for their protection, but pray for him to be strong in faith and for his wife to change that, like, that Jesus touches as well. Um, okay, let's go on. Yeah, this is just some pictures what war does. Now war is really brutal. Like Russian missiles are destroying houses. You see the remains of missiles just in one city. It's in the summer. And lack of electricity, uh, how dark Ukraine is compared to other countries. Our capital city before the war and now. Like I was there, so we had electricity just for two, three hours per day. So we were focusing a lot uh, uh, on like helping people. Like so, yeah, this time when I was there, we were buying generators for families, for our soldiers, for our shelters. Um, and yeah, this is another story. Probably I'm going to end with it like as a story. Uh, so um, yeah, you can, you can go on with pictures. So we delivered the food and supplies again to that group uh, that we did camp for, these kids. But it was really special because um, you see me reading a letter to these kids. And the letter is from a little girl, 11 years old girl in St. Catharines and a local church there. So uh, they had a. Uh, they wanted to teach their kids and the youth group what it means to be missionaries. So they invited us and a couple other missionaries along just to share what it means mission work. And we shared about Ukraine, what we do. We showed the picture with that camp uh, that I showed you everything. And she came to me after. Oh, by the way, there was no intention in that uh, group to raise any money, right? It was just for them, for kids to see. But she came to me after and said, I'm very touched by what you shared. And I realized that I have everything here. And by the way, I think she's a... Uh, somewhere from asia her mom came I, I forgot the exact country but like she's an immigrant herself like they are but she says i have so much here and and they these kids have nothing i have a birthday coming up and i ask my friends and, and family don't give me money instead of gifts i think maybe she wanted a new phone or something you know she was gathering like money for it and she says i want to give all these money to these kids in ukraine and she hands me 500 dollars uh, so uh, that story reminded me a lot about the widow who gave everything she had, right? Just, so, and we added some and we bought these supplies for them. She wrote a letter. I'm reading it to these kids. And you see in their face, it's like how impressed and surprised they are that somebody never saw them actually cares them and were willing to give up their like, you know, things. And I think this is just a beautiful story that brings me to like a uh, conclusion. Remember in the beginning, I said about the puzzles, the, the pieces of puzzle flying away, probably in the middle of summer, it occurred to me. And, and now every time I see it as being proven more and more, that God is actually putting the, these puzzles, this puzzle together now. Before I was just focusing on my little local church, you know, and thinking of that and trying to control it. But now the puzzle is much bigger. And, and even though I don't control it, I don't know what's going to happen and when, but God is somehow working it all together. Through all the partners we, we had with, you know, like other churches in Lviv and Ukraine, through this little girl, through many others, and through you as well. And I'm actually here to share you, to invite you to be a puzzle you know another piece of puzzle sorry in that just through prayer through support and maybe in the future there will be a chance to visit ukraine and help rebuild you know and when I say rebuild not just buildings but people's lives as well so uh please view yourself as a another your church as another piece of that big puzzle that god is doing together because um through the war we even though how devastating it is we've seen a lot of um amazing things how god's grace works and how he touches people's lives. 
and you know and even though there's some really desperate days i have them too but there's a lot of hope in them as well so in conclusion you're going to lead us in a worship song um and oh. we're also going to get a okay. chance to pray for your family but do you have any concluding thoughts kind of thoughts just yeah. for our church that, yeah that's what i wanted, yeah. wanted to yeah. say now because i think so um maybe one more like the puzzle story is one thing but another lesson i just share personally for us and i hope it will be helpful for you so a, bit, a little bit about our family so we came in the end of summer just because we're really tired like we wanted a break and we plan to return in november um but um like when when and we came to do fundraising as well because to do all that we we really need to help we can't like economy is really bad in ukraine we can't do it on our own but we were planning to return in november but just about that time if you remember rockets fell on Poland, you know, and it looked like huge escalation, like World War Three might start. So we decided, okay, maybe it's not safe enough. To, to So I went by myself. My family stayed here. The girls wanted to finish. We decided that they would finish uh, the semester in school. So I went there. It was great. Like the last pictures you've seen from there at that time. I came back and we started thinking again, okay, so when do we return? And we, th we kept thinking, when, when is going to be safe enough? But then what I realized, it's never going to be safe enough. Uh, well, well, no, it's exaggerating. It will, hopefully, the war will end one day. But I'm saying that one thing I realized that the war is actually happening all the time. This war, this physical war, it's just the outcome of the much deeper underlying war that's happening through the age of spiritual war. Because everything you see, what Russia does to us, it's a typical thing, you know, the father of lies just put in their mind that there should reasons that they should attack us right and these are false reasons they they would call us nazis they would call us this and that you know but they're acting on them and this is so much like our war every day very often we we have conflicts we have difficulties because we believe or somebody else believes in the lies you know and acting on that lie and vice versa if we acting out on the truth that jesus brings us we can we can bring peace and reconciliation so i think for us it's just accepting the reality that we live in a world of war obviously we don't want to bring our kids to like you know where the battles are happening and maybe we would have to come back again you know we we want to be smart about it. it's a dilemma right I, as a father i want to ha have my wife and my kids uh, in safety but also uh, one thing that really hit me that i didn't notice before the war that jesus spent all his life and ministry in the occupied country See, like he in and he knew that the sol solution wouldn't be just to fight against Romans. It's much deeper. It's the gospel that changes people's lives. So for us, uh, motivation to go back to Ukraine is to understanding that we uh, we've been called to that, and we can hopefully encourage people. We can share gospel with them, and the gospel has the power to change. And I just want to encourage you as well, because all of you are going through your own war, right? Like in Canada, maybe. Thankfully, there's no bullets, there's no bombs falling down, right? But there's a lot of big war as far as information, you know, what's true, what's what's not true. And it's impacting everybody and it's dividing people. People are dividing over such a secondary things for us, you know, like seeing in comparison. Or sometimes people are complaining about such a little things. I was always like, guys, come on, you have it so great here. You should be so thankful, you know, on, on a practical level, right? But also in in a difficult level. There is this war happening, you know, war for our minds and soils. And in Ukraine, you see what can happen if we 
basically let it out of control if if we listen to um, lies and if we act on them because the war started completely on that it's based on lies and if you act on lies you can come to a bigger bigger conflict so i just want to encourage you to go through your difficulties uh remember what jesus said like uh, well actually it's apostle paul that our fight our war is not against flesh and blood it's against powers principalities about spiritual matters of darkness and um but we have we have victory gospel holy spirit word of god if we hold on to the truth we can go through our war and win and we go back with understanding that we hope it's going to end sooner than, than later, but uh, we just want to be faithful to God where he calls us to be, and I encourage you to be faithful and go with him where he calls you to be. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.